0: In your favorite video game. Um, uh, video
1: game. Hey, man, that's so difficult to say.
0: I'm the, Vanilla the answer is...
1: Cataclysm uh, WoW? I don't even know.
0: Wrong answer. Your favorite video game is uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time.
1: That's the one. Right. Oh, I didn't... Right it was again. right on the tip of my toe. So I didn't... <laughs> 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 Has anyone ever said that? No. Yeah. the first one. Uh, well, I'm the first one. There it is. You know you... There's so many people on this big, dumb planet that spins around aimlessly, rocketing through space, and you just think that everyone's done every single thing, but there it is. I did the I did. That was the first thing I've ever done that only I have done. That's it. And it was, that was it, right there. I did it.
0: Right on the tip of my toes.
1: Right on the tip of my toes. It was right on the tip of my toes. i oh,
0: write that down as an You end. know, uh, it worked uh, so well uh,
1: because the actual phrase was right on the tip of my toes. Does that...
0: Can I hit just it again? Can I get it
1: again? Or or does it work like that? Can, it was right on the tip of my toes. Oh, 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 you thought boy. I was going to say the right one that time, but
0: I didn't. WTDG podcast. The what week. a bad oh, start. May 30th.
1: May the 30th be with you. There it is. May, that, you almost hitting, missed hit, it this We're hitting whole month. all the favorites. No, I did, I did it, I think. I think I did it last podcast, too, when you weren't there and you were in Texas. But I just came back from Texas. So now we're both back from Texas
0: we're both back from texas so l- let me tell you about my favorite part of uh, texas and this is um it- it's the one thing that maybe would have convinced me to uh live in texas and it's video game related uh which is that i went to uh this combination brewery and arcade oh, uh, oh, called Kid. Wow. that uh, sounds nice and, and and they that was have in austin right he you you, you
1: went to Austin. I went to. Dallas. I went to
0: Austin. I went to the cool place. You went to the cowboy place. Yeah. Well, uh, well, it's Dallas Cowboys. Come on. Well, that's uh,
1: that is a fact. I guess with the way you say. So it.
0: they have twenty four uh, different ciders. They brew in house uh, cider, hard seltzer, and kombucha, and then they've got pizza. That you know they make pizza there. Why not? And oh, they don't. They make
1: good pizza because that's probably not true.
0: I have no idea. It, I th- it's Neapolitan style, uh, which is probably the only good pizza that you can uh, get. Over there? Like I I mean, who knows? I had pizza
1: twice, weirdly enough.
0: That's weird. Uh so weird. ten dollar entry fee gets you access to over hundred and fifty games. Which That's I thought was pretty impressive. Over hundred and forty nine. Uh including like twelve pinball machines. Uh I pl- maybe more than twelve, but I played uh the Stranger Things Cabinet, which was my favorite. Uh it has a lot of open space, so it's like all skill shots, but I think The thing, I I don't know a lot about pinball, but the thing that I thought was, like, so cool is that after you uh, do access to certain shots, you enter, like, uh, the Demogorgon comes out. So, like, these ramps, like, open up and expose, like, this Demogorgon in the middle of the board. And as you hit the ball into the Demogorgon, uh, he takes damage and you could kill him. But he also, like, his giant, like, mouth is open and you can actually hit the pinball inside of his mouth an insta kill and i thought that was pretty neat.
1: It's always shocking to me when i'm reminded that you are such a big fan of pinball.
0: They also had the family guy table which i you know i, I know that that sounds like a little silly but inside the family well, guy table comedy, so. there's there is a there is a smaller pinball table called Stewie's pinball and if you hit the right ramps you get access and then you could play Stewie's pinball which is just again a smaller pinball table inside the main pinball table with like its own little flippers and its own little balls. Wow. I guess so Stewie
1: Griffin game. has little balls. <laughs> uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should see uh, Brian's hey. pinball table. They don't have he doesn't have any balls. Oh. <laughs> Zinga, right? Bazinga. So that place was really cool and it's the one thing that might have convinced me to live there but the the affordable neighborhoods are just so far away from all of the cool stuff uh, where it's just like the, the city itself is brilliant. There's like so much cool stuff, great food, like, like the food is like relatively cheap. Things are like, everything's like a five minute drive away in the city, but then the actual homes that are affordable, again, affordable being the operative term are so far away uh, and I just couldn't, I can't handle that. I have to be like. I want to live within 25 minutes of the city. You know, mm-hmm.
1: we live at such a horrible time, honestly. Like the just the the terrible housing market. I, I, I the the time for Austin was probably like 10 years ago, and I don't even know what it was. It honestly,
0: happened. three years ago. Yeah,
1: it, years I, there, ago. but it was still like a decade ago that when that when you were hearing the rumblings of like, oh, Austin's getting weird. All the hipsters are moving in, and uh, I guess over time, like it just had gotten so built up, and now that that ship has like kind of sailed it's like the same thing of like of like now saying it's time to move to brooklyn like now nah, it's not it's not time
0: i had a good vacation though i had some good barbecue i i don't know i had some good barbecue i read a lot i played nintendo switch and uh yeah that's about it how was your how was your vacation give me the give me the shorthand
1: very similar mine was was a uh, family oriented oh, so you, so you I, also
0: went to side arcade.
1: i did not uh probably the things that you like the most I didn't I I did play I did read a lot and I played a fair amount of switch um when I could but most of it was was spent uh family mingling um, because I haven't seen my family uh, in I most of my, my mom's entire side lives in basically like Dallas um so I hadn't what did seen they them They have to say to you I hadn't seen them for 5 years they're the they're the 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 side that I get along the most with for some reason they're the most open um side and they're all pretty politically left so uh, so what
0: now you're moving to dallas are you moving to dallas no
1: nah, dallas is too is too much to move into It's same kind of thing um way too expensive way too built up uh i wouldn't have the money to be able to go there um but uh so most of, so yeah a lot of that was spent uh with family it was very it was a very like booked kind of schedule of uh go of like okay so this this part of the family wants to see us Uh, For lunch, and then we're gonna go travel over here, and then we'll go to dinner with this part of the family, and then we're all meeting up for this and like stuff like that. So it was um, very jam packed. Uh, I kind of like almost need a vacation from the vacation because I don't feel like Uh, relaxed. It's not like I like I'm like relaxed this week. It's not like I'm like uh, feeling. I I don't know if I. I don't know if you ever feel ready to go back to work. Most of the time, Um, maybe after like a long enough break, you're just like I'm losing my mind. I'm bored. Um, but but one week is, is generally not enough. And then I just feel like I didn't have like any time to myself, which is what re- does relax me is like playing games or going to the gym. And like all I did was like eat junk food and ice cream. Bluebell is the best ice cream in the world. And it's only in like Texas and Louisiana and maybe some other southern states. Um, but they're by far the best. My favorite flavor of theirs is Bride Cake. Which is a om- cake. yeah, which is an a, a uh, almond ice cream with amaretto swirl mixed with cream cheese and pieces of uh, yellow cake. Very good, I liked it. Uh, coffee is my absolute favorite, though. I think I just lied when I just said that was my favorite. Um, but coffee is my absolute favorite. They do like the best coffee. It's so good. It's so like subtle and but like still retains. It's so good. It's so creamy <laughs> and awesome. What?
0: Okay, now that you've told me those two, what's your real favorite? What's the third one? Oh,
1: well, I had to give it to you. That <laughs> my real favorite is. No, that's my real favorite. But uh, right. so so yeah. So I spent most of that. I, I I got a lot of reading done. I read a lot quicker than I normally did. Like because I, I did get a, like a bit of a chance to focus. Um, and I watched uh, whenever I also had a little bit of spare time. I watched Twin Peaks. I've been rewatching Twin Peaks. Um, wow. And and that's a good show. Uh, so I read uh Piranesi, right? Is that it? Piranesi? Piranesi. Um that, that you had recommended um, by Susanna Clark and I really like that. It's a really it, it's not worth mentioning that much about. It's a really good mystery. I would recommend it to most people. I, the the word we both kind of had come to is it's a very satisfying book. Um, they the the book starts out with so many mysteries. Like the setup is this character basically lives yeah we could leave it in we this can, like uh, dream world kind of thing so uh how did he get there and like what's the what is the world what is the world around him and everything yeah. and and people
0: should read that book it's yeah it's i wanted to i wanted to give a little something you think, can't just say it won some awards or something i don't know yeah Let's figure it out so that's good
1: and um i haven't read Murak- any murakami in i think like five or six years maybe more and he was still, like, kind of writing. I didn't realize that After Dark actually is a little bit older. It came out in 2004. Um, but I, I read uh, After Dark, which felt like a really good Murakami Murakami at his, like, better um, uh, than he is sometimes. Like, I, I think that, like, 1Q84 is a little bit of a mess. Um, Wind Up Bird Chronicle is also kind of a mess. Like, I think when he goes into those, like, way overblown things that he's just goes too far off the deep end, and I really liked After Dark. I just... It, it's, like, one of the coziest... it's If not the coziest Murakami, because it uh, the entire um, novel is, like, 200 or something, 250 pages, and it takes place over the course of one night, and it follows uh, several different characters, kind of, like, it, over the course of, like, basically staying up the entire night, and uh, there's not, like, a ton of horrible stuff happening or, like, a... Conclusion that has to have to be come to if if you know what I mean like it's more just people making observations during the night in in a lot of cases and there there is like a greater narrative but a lot of it's just those that like that vehicle for Murakami um, just you know explaining every song that is on in a department store and little observations and stuff so I I, I did like that a lot um, and I played more Monster Hunter more high rank Monster Hunter. And yeah, they just
0: uh put in put in the 3.0 where they uh, yeah. now have an epilogue or like a conclusion to the single player.
1: Yeah, I don't want to get like way deep into Monster Hunter. The one thing I would say is is I'm at a part where I need to do another one of the rampages and I just I hate them. I hate them so much. They're one of the worst uh modes of a game I've ever had to deal with. The first one didn't bother me that much and I didn't know why people hated it so much, but The Apex Azuros, and later on, uh, I I won't talk about what the next one is, but there's another forced rampage after that, and they're just. I I guess they're just they weren't meant to be played single player. They they are as a single playing it single player is like it's intention. It's it's so poorly designed. It's it is it is so aggressively poorly designed to be played as a single player. We've explained it before, but it's like you set up these cannons and it's basically a tower defense and monsters stream out and then you can either fight the monsters or jump on cannons and then there's a lot of like automated cannons the main thing though that really sucks is that the monsters uh like most of them if they kind of like they, they have these massive hit boxes because you're up on these platforms so you have to be able to be hit by them um and when there's multiple of them out they're all kind of like swinging and doing stuff and whenever you get hit it, it it's vacuums you onto the ground Which is it's the worst experience. Like so much, and and the hitboxes are so like insane. It wouldn't be that crazy if the monster would was looking at different people and focusing on different people, and then you know hitting one person and then vacuuming them onto the ground, while you got to you know lay into it on the other side of the map because you can guard it. But when a monster just focused on you. They do so much damage to you and the the what the platform you're on, and if you ever don't like guard it, then they suck you back onto the floor, and it you have to get up. But they yeah. have all these big animations to keep vacuuming you in. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's horrible. It's it's uh, fucking horrible. It's it's the it, worst. It is the
0: worst part of Monster Hunter Rise, and and I understand like so those missions feel like an answer to not having a giant flagship uh, in Monster Hunter like three and four. They had like a jen moran which was like this giant uh do you remember sin from final fantasy 10 yeah was well like i played jen Moran. Like this, this, this giant like fish monster that swam through the desert and you were on like a ship and you fought him and then in world they had something similar which was like zora Magduros, which was like this giant mountain of a creature and you're like getting on it and fighting it and you know it's very different from all the other hunts and I feel like the rampages are kind of shoehorned into Rise to be a replacement uh for those types of like big set pieces not being in there. But but it just isn't fun. And and the I mean the main reason is just like when I go to Monster Hunter, there's a specific thing I wanna be doing. And it's like I wanna be like using my weapon and like playing around my abilities and like you know like setting up like the the traps, or like riding and, and like farming and picking stuff up, but like the the rampage mode just kind of takes all that stuff away. And, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the
1: first time we were talking about it, it, it seems like from a top down thing, it would be good because it's breaking up the actual doing, like just just constantly hunting. But I, I've played like hundred fifty hours of this game, and I'm not slowing down. I, I absolutely love it, and I I get enough um, variation on uh, doing different weapons or different monsters. Uh, there's always different things I'm going... I, ba- I barely ever play the same weapon two hunts in a row, and that's kind of where I get my my variation from, and, and I like doing it, and I've only really done it solo, um, and uh, like that's what I enjoy about the game. And having to do the, the rampages that were just like so... that are just absolutely not designed... For single player that are like unfun that are patently unfun in single player and that it, like forces you and that there's even other mechanics based around doing the rampages to unlock like these passives to be able to put onto the weapons um, and certain weapons are that are really good come from these rampages so. They really want you to do them, and I, I don't like it at all. If, if it was a once-in-a-while thing, and it was a binary pass-fail, like, we just really want you to, like, we're, we're up you're up to another one of these gates where you have to do this Rampage mission, and when it's done, we'll, we'll give you the drop of the next set of content. I would be more okay with it. But the game really does want you to be, like, actually running these missions, I guess. Like, actually going in and redoing them, and I, I don't think that they're that great. I don't yeah. think that they hey. work that much.
0: Yeah, let's talk about some some things yeah, that I like in video games. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon Snap still. Game is brilliant. Uh, I am constantly replaying levels to the point of it being hard for me to progress because I, whenever you're going through a level, you know, like it's it's an on rails game, and like you know there are things where like you'll see something happen in front of you, but you'll miss it. And it makes you be like, oh, I want to go around and I want to start over and, like, get the perfect shot of that thing happening. Uh, And that is constantly happening to me in in a way that makes it hard for me to proceed. And and there's also, like, meta progression of, like, once you discover a monster, you'll, (laughs) a monster, a Pokemon, uh, you'll get, like, requests of, like, uh, where, where essentially there'll be like someone that gives you a clue about something, where it'll be like, sometimes Apom will stand on his tail in a funny way, see if you can get him to do it. Or there's a monster that's crawling around in the bushes over here. Can you try to figure out who it is? And every time I see one of those, it just makes me want to replay the level and be like, well, I want to I wanna figure out who's hiding in that brush. I want to make him stand on his tail, you know, and... That has given me like so much replayability that I just like have not gotten far enough in the game yet because I just I just keep playing everything over again. And it is just like so fun to just get like higher and higher scores. And, uh, you know, Pokemon Snap is the best Pokemon game uh, that they have released in as as long as I can remember. That's not saying much, but it's saying something, right? Yeah. Definitely since Go. Go is pretty good. Yeah. and and that wasn't them
1: that was uh that was not game freak but
0: yeah but that's a good game that pokemon snap i i can imagine a lot of people not feeling great about paying 60 dollars for it but so far like i've put a lot of time into that game and i don't think i'm halfway done there's like 250 pokemon i think i've seen like 60 or 70 so i've got a ways to go in that game i think i just need to like push it a little bit more uh, but that's something that I was playing on uh, vacation when I wasn't watching TV. I- I've also been watching uh, a little bit of The Sopranos. Been making my way through that. And I've just been playing so many video games. Uh, let-, let me get you with some quick ones that I've been playing. So I played a little bit of Knockout City.
1: Yeah, so what is I mean. that? I keep seeing that. That's that's selling pretty well.
0: It's a 3v3 uh, dodgeball game and it's really original like in terms of the okay so let me correct myself the gameplay is original and the gameplay is actually really fun and the maps are well designed and everything else about it is just terrible uh specifically like the aesthetics and the menus but the aesthetics are like almost unforgivable it, it somehow has no style at all like i think jeff Gerstmann called it if jet Grind Radio was designed by the cops. <laughs> okay. And, and that's and that's <laughs> that, what that it is. That is
1: that is an extremely evocative sentence.
0: Where it's like trying to be edgy and trying to be like, you know, like streetwear, but it just looks like lame.
1: Yeah, so it's just undercover.
0: Yeah, so I I feel like they'd really be onto something if they I don't know, if they just went like hyper stylized with it. If if they made it sort of like Lethal League style then they would probably have, like, a-, a game that people would be talking about. Uh, but the actual gameplay is, like, pretty good, where it's essentially just, like, it's a game of dodgeball, and you are, you can, like, you pick up a ball. There are special balls, like a like a sniper ball or, like, a, I don't know what the other one is. There's, like, a bomb ball and some Armbate. others. But essentially, like, uh, you throw a ball. You could uh, charge it at different speeds. Uh, there's no aiming, everything is auto lock but then there are there is essentially like catching so someone could throw a ball at you and you could catch it and then you could throw it back uh or you can fake a throw where a char- uh, you know your character will do the throw animation so you could try to bait out someone catching it and then do an actual throw at it and then there's just like a lot of like movement options where like uh you have like a dodge roll and like a spin and things like that and I found the gameplay pretty cool, but also it's not a free game. They were doing a free trial and then they decided that they will make the game free up to uh, account level 25. But if it looked better, I would be more interested. But uh, multiplayer games are challenging because you only have so much time for for different multiplayer games. And I feel like that one is just not going to nail it for me. And I don't know, like, if you're a game like Knockout City, like, who are you competing with? Are you competing with shooters? Are you competing with, like, uh, Rocket League? Because you're not gonna... I I don't know if you're gonna get that chunk of change, but... It's an original idea, but I feel like charging money for it is gonna mean that it's gonna end up where, like, Rocket Arena is. Okay. Rocket Arena,
1: though, that's... Never mind.
0: You can't even think about it, right?
1: Yeah, I, uh, for, I thought it was something, I thought it was Rocket League, like you said, but...
0: Ooh, so many so do, other games. Do you played
1: this with, with other people, or just randoms?
0: I played this with uh, Nate and with um, Galloway. Okay. I think, so Galloway sort of had the same opinion of, like, we're going to play it for this session, and we're never going to play it again, and we all just kind of, like, agreed to that, and, you know, it was fine. Like okay. I said, the gameplay is pretty cool, but it's not like, oh, you gotta try this. Or anything like that uh, but speaking on that on that multiplayer front you know if some one thing that I will say you got to try this and I'll say it specifically to you is a uh, hunt showdown uh, which also leads me to the fact that there is a big steam sale going on right now and it is uh, an open-world sale A cel- a sale and celebration of infinite exploration where essentially there are just tons of open-world games that are on sale uh, you got your cyberpunk your Sea of Thieves Ark, Borderlands, uh, but also for some reason Hunt Showdown is on sale, uh, which is not an open-world game. So this is a this is a challenging game to sort of describe what it's like, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, so the actual game itself is, is pretty simple. So you are playing as a hunter, and you're either by yourself on a team of two or on a team of three, and you're put into this massive map, Uh, They have two maps, day or night. So you're put into this massive map and your goal is to try to find a bounty. And the bounty is a, a monster, like a big old scary monster. And you need to go through the map and find, like, you track down clues. And once you have enough clues, essentially what a clue does is it tells you an area of the map that the monster isn't. So after you have three clues, you know the exact uh, area that the monster will be in. However, uh, throughout the map, other teams are also collecting clues and are also trying to get to this monster and hunt it. So, as you're collecting clues, uh, you have to deal with all of these noisy things around you. There are like birds that you could set off. There are like dogs you could like be walking through. Like, there's a lot of like wind chimes. Well,
1: don't walk through dogs. Uh, yeah that
0: like are everywhere and it kind of reminds me of um like a left for dead because there's also like all of these zombies and also all of these like specialized zombies so there's like this giant bloated zombie that like will create leeches that will follow you and like uh this car- this one that summons like a swarm of bugs that sends at you and one that when you kill it it like explodes and then like resurrects and goes after you again uh And all of this is for the purpose of this, they will slow you down, and more importantly, they will cause you to create noise. So there is this delicate balance of, I want to get through this area quickly so that I could get my clues uh, and, you know, maybe get some gear. Uh, But also, there are other people around, so I need to be mindful of how I'm taking these zombies out. Because if I... Use my powerful weapons and go loud. I'll kill them, but I might alert other players nearby to me to my presence. And so that brings me to death. So your characters uh, can die. You are playing as a hunter, uh, and essentially, like you are recruiting teams of hunters. So you like are collecting currency, and you're using it to buy hunters uh, that have like fixed loadouts of like, oh, this hunter comes with like a. Uh, Two like twin pistols and this one comes with like a silenced sniper rifle and like some med kits and you know they'll come with like a perk or something and you always will have access to a hunter for free like there is always one of them that you could always pick up for free of like okay i'm out of hunters so i'll grab the free one or whatever. but you could also spend currency that you've accrued by doing bounties uh to buy ones that have better stats so The the cool thing about this is that this is creating a real risk for you when you are going into maps because you really don't want to die because you're losing, like, the fact that maybe you've leveled your character up and you've gotten perks. And the fact that a player could literally just, like, ambush you and, like, snipe you or any of that is, like, it is, like pressure in like a pretty like intense and satisfying way because you also know that like
1: if you kill someone that's if the same. You kill like someone, you, you you take so much away from people instead of just like and, killing them and they were respawning.
0: And Nate and I have actually been tearing it up. In in the in the last one that we played, we ran into some like a team that was being really loud and they were like being they were being loud. They were trying to escape an area that was full of zombies so like zombies were chasing them. And we were able to take them down. Uh, the other cool thing about that is, you get their weapons, and when you get their weapons, they're your weapons. So if you kill someone who had like a really nice weapon that maybe they've like you know spent like a pretty penny on, that weapon is yours now uh, for at least as long as your hunter stays alive. And and that's that's really cool. Uh, and then later in that same match, we had found the lair of the monster, and you have like access to this like dark vision. And it tells you when other, if another team is nearby the bounty. So we dark visioned and we were like, okay, no one's here. And then like, so we started fighting it and then we dark visioned again and there were people nearby. Uh, So they essentially scared us off. So Nate and I peeled off. We peeled off the monster. And by the way, like the monsters are like straight up terrifying. Uh, This one was a giant spider. And the first time that we fought it. Oh, it was it. Huh? It was it. From the Stephen King yeah.
1: novel.
0: So it was like this massive spider, and we walked into this building, and we were walking around, and we were like, "Okay, we we have no idea where this spider is." And then we looked up, and it was just hanging above us, and That's it was pretty like dope. so big, <laughs> it scared the shit out of Sounds us.
1: Sounds like Goma now. And it's like for so fast. Game. And
0: then we like we threw uh we like threw a Molotov at it, and then it's just like moving at like such an like unreal and like 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 terrifying speed of, like, its legs are moving, like, super fast and it's just, like, uh, it was so creepy, but that team, like, they ambushed us, they got us off of the spider, but then we were actually able to go back in and, like, light them up, too. Like, they actually killed me and then Nate double-killed them both. Um, But then this other thing happens where you start a banishing ritual, and the banishing ritual takes a couple of minutes, and everybody on the map knows when the banishing ritual is happening and knows where it's happening. Once you start the banishing ritual, it's basically like a giant sign of like, "Hey, come kill me," you know?
1: Yeah. Like, so what exactly where this, like,
0: is the banishing ritual? Yeah. So it is essentially like you are trying to purify the area from the monster, and you are essentially once the banishing ritual is over, it's like takes a couple of minutes, and you're getting rid of the monster, and once you do it, you get the treasure, which are like these bounty tokens uh that you try to leave with. But it's like I don't know. I don't know if it's like a couple of minutes or how long it is or what determines the length of it. But it's essentially like, okay, you killed the monster and now what you probably want to do is try to like board up the area, like put down like traps and like bear traps and all of that. Like and get ready to defend against like players who would come and try to attack you. But the the reward is that you get these bounty tokens at the end of it that give you access to an enhanced dark site which, when you use it, you can see other human players. So then what you have to do is you have to try to take the bounty tokens and leave the map with them. However, uh, the bounty tokens leave, like, a trail, so players can actually track you when you're carrying them, or they can camp the extraction sites and try to get you on the way out. Uh, That hasn't happened to me yet, because there are, like, only three ways out of the map. You can also If you want, at any time, if you're not carrying Bounty Tokens, you can just extract. So if you're just like, okay, I'm really low on health, Uh, I don't have any Bounty Tokens, Uh, let's just leave here so that we can keep our characters alive, uh, then you can do that. Uh, But if you have the Tokens, then you want to try to extract, and once you get to the Extraction Zone, you have to uh, wait there for 30 seconds. Uh, But, like I said, once you have those Tokens, you get access to Enhanced Dark Sight where you can see other players, but it's a very limited amount of time. You have literally five seconds of Enhanced Dark Vision, so you kind of have to save it for when you really need it. And then when you exit, and and you actually get out, and you've killed stuff, uh, you're leveling up your character, uh, which is giving you more perks, and you're leveling up your account level, uh, which is giving you access to an expanded character roster and an expanded... uh, an expanded set of weaponry that you can use money to, uh, like, buy. So you could like buy weapons and equip them to characters, and you know all that currency you're getting from uh, killing other players, from killing the the like little zombies, the special zombies, and the actual bounty targets themselves. All of that is giving you this currency, uh, and then you go on and you you know just take on stronger versions of things, and uh, it's it's really cool, and it's like very, it's a really original idea for a game. Mm -hmm. This came out in, what, 2019? I don't know. It's been out for a while, but they've been updating it nonstop. It also has a lot of DLC. The DLC is essentially uh, you can unlock characters and weapons that will go into a pool that you can purchase from then. So it's not like I buy this weapon and now I have this weapon and I'm better than other people because I have it. But it's like I bought it and now I have access to it to then buy using the in-game money. And you can also... I think I'm pretty sure that everything that you can buy are real, with real world money can also be unlocked in the game in the same way that there's like uh, riot points and then there's like blue essence. Uh, and you can kind of get everything in the game that is like, that's going to help you with combat using like blue essence. So it's kind of like that. I don't know. The monetization is weird, but the, uh, but it feels like fairly, like it doesn't feel, um, like dirty or anything.
1: It's by developers Crytek, and it original. It was in uh like a beta stage in twenty eighteen, and it launched around twenty nineteen, August twenty nineteen for Windows, September twenty nineteen for Xbox. One.
0: I recommend this. I think it's a pretty cool game, very original, and and also like scary, intense, which yeah, I think is pretty check cool. This out. Well, look on Steam for a new how, gift.
1: How much is that?
0: Oh, I gifted it to you. Oh, so it's wow.
1: yours really you just gifted me something else as well
0: i know but the uh, so let me talk about that game because that game was only six dollars and now uh that's me paying you back for the game that we'll talk about after oh uh, actually let's get right into it so you gifted me this game uh wild at heart
1: yeah the so wild i feel at like heart. i owed you a little bit um uh
0: wild at heart is a this is an unknown game right like this game is very under the radar yeah, developer it only Moonlight has...
1: Kids Publisher hum- Humble Bundle, and it just came out.
0: This is their first game on Steam. Uh this game has forty four zero reviews on Steam and that's it.
1: That's a heartbreaker.
0: How, how did you even find the
1: game? Um I just saw it in I just check every once in a while on the like upcoming um games that are like about to launch. Uh it had a pretty good style. Uh I didn't the really music kn- is great. I didn't really know what it what it was um, entirely, um, and it's so sad to see it not, um, getting treatment, because I, like, I absolutely love this game, like, I love this game so much, um, a lot, there's a lot of games where I'll just play for, like, 30 minutes or an hour, and sometimes it'll, I'll say, like, oh, it's is pretty good, and then I just end up not coming back to it, uh, like, especially on Steam, where you're buying things for pretty cheap, this is, like, a $25 game, um, I don't know if it's out for anything else, uh, I think it is just Steam, um, for the time being, but it is it is such a uh, no. It came out on Xbox One and Windows and Mac.
0: Um, so
1: it is it is like such an incredible game. I I don't know who like these the, the developers. It's their first thing that they're developed, but they must be X like some other studio because it is so amazing. It, it, the 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 first thing that I that really drew me in is like the artwork for it is incredible. It's this like kind of top down um flat 2d i almost thought it was going to be from the developers of like don't starve but it doesn't have that uh it has like a similar uh look but a different like, like a
0: paper book yeah. look to it
1: yeah like a story it really is it's very storybook that's like the only way that I, I would describe it as be- like being, beautiful
0: colors like, yeah the game is just gorgeous it's got such a good style to it the music is so good
1: yeah the music is is incredible the music is like uh front of the show kevin said uh that it was like making him it lowered his blood pressure and it was going to make him go to sleep um it really is like it, it's really like beautiful ambient music
0: um, so what is this game
1: yeah so the game is a bizarre cross so it's most it's pikmin at heart it's not wild at heart. It's Pikmin at heart, and and then it has a little bit of Luigi's Mansion. That's kind of the the thing. It's a
0: Luigi's Mansion, and then it has a vacuum. It's Luigi's we'll Mansion. A, we'll get into vacuums.
1: Yeah, it's Luigi's Mansion, and it has a vacuum. the The main thing that like draws me in, and what I'm loving so far uh, around eight hours in, uh, with with where I'm like, I guess. Um, a quarter of the way through what it seems like. It seems like it's fairly um, a little bit long. It, it seems like it's, it, it, it's got some meat on its bones. Um, oh,
0: like a 12 to 15 hour game. Possibly Fantastic longer because. than that,
1: because I'm um, a- around eight hours in. I've done like one of the gotten one out of four major things I'm supposed to have. And out of six of these Pikmin types, I have three. Uh, so, so there, there's, there's a lot to, to be done yet. Um, the, the, uh, world like once it starts out and like you're you play as this main character that has this vacuum kind of thing. Um, you vacuum up like leaves and and anything else. Uh, uh, it is used for solving some of the puzzles. Um, and your main thing is getting all these Pikmin kind of people. There there's there's six different types. I've only really seen the first three. The the first one you get right off the bat is like immune to toxic uh pretty yeah, so when pretty you say pretty quick.
0: Many, what does that what does that mean? Sorry. They're like, for, the, for the for the people at home who are uh, Yeah, this station gamers.
1: This isn't like a super common style of game, I guess. So so you have like this this little army of people uh that follow you um Monsters. You, you, the little they're army of like little they're spritelings, they're cute. Right. Uh, they're you sprites, throw them yeah. you throw them at things to perform they'll perform the task whether it be um there's enemies and they they beat up the enemy to death. Um, or moving something out of the way usually requires, like, it'll require 15 of them to move it or 20 of them to move it. Um, so you're using them, uh, for different tasks that they each, there's different types and the different types, uh, have different abilities or can be used in different puzzles. So one of the things that I like the most about it, uh, and, and I should also say that it, it's, um, it is a it's a pretty large open world, and it has this metro, very Metroidvania um, feel of of be of you know you're just exploring around, listening to good music, and then you'll hit you'll you'll go somewhere, be able to solve some puzzles, hit a road bump, not know you know like there's I'm seeing a big giant crystal, I don't know what would be able to get me over that for the time being, um, and then once you hit that road bump, trying to go somewhere else um, and see where you can make headway. Uh, and just exploring this big, uh, massive map. It's, it's all one big kind of open world that connects around each other. There's, there's war points and everything. Um, and yeah,
0: similar... that kind of Metroidvania style to it of, like, going back to places you've been and trying to see if you have, you know... Oh, I, you know, for the, like, for example, for the longest time, I didn't have, like, 20 guys. Like, my max was, like, 12 or something, so I couldn't move, like, this rock... And then I remember, as soon as I hit, like, 20 guys, I'm like, okay, I got to go back and, and move that big rock and see what's over there.
1: Yeah. Um, there was a lot of that. It also, like, Pikmin, it has a day and night cycle. Um, you, like, you, during the, the, there's a morning, a day, and then, like, this the music kind of cuts away and starts to get more ominous as it approaches night. And when it approaches night, um, the... Uh, the never which is what you're kind of fighting against the story is like really cute and the writing is is phenomenal like it's super on point for a storybook um it's it is it is so sweet and all the characters have like such a unique are written so unique they have such a vibe that like pops off the page um and yeah, it's a day. So, so there's a day and night cycle. So, you know, you start the day off like warping somewhere, trying to get something done. And as night approaches, you have to kind of speed up and be worried about where your little guys are because the never spawns at at night, and that kills you and your little uh, your little spritelings. Um, it's just, I don't know. Like, I I would have so little like I would have so little negative to say about it. Just like minor stuff that is. You know, you can't ask this like minor studio. One of the things that like I I do play a lot of these like Steam games, um, and you it, it it's so often that like playing these kind of games, you feel that it's a smaller studio, like that they didn't get certain things right, that they that certain things uh, that that big studios do well, like. Um, the the weight of the character or making, you know, certain things or attacks feel right or you know, like there's so many things that, that can go wrong with a smaller studio or just like not hit like especially music, especially visuals. Those are pretty hard to do for a smaller studio. And it it, it they like knocked out of the park. Like there's such it's such minor stuff that I've seen, but like I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Like I, I absolutely love the progression of it. I love the music. This story has been so cute it's so hard for me like i i just so wholeheartedly recommend this um I, I i would like so aggressively like i bought it for you because i i just was like people have to um absolutely like have to give this a try this game is so good it's like so special um it, it i feel like it'll probably be in my top five like it, it uh, at the end of the year it is it is such a good game
0: well, we do a top three but i'll let you do a top five this we, don't we sometimes do a top five we do a top five we can do whatever we want it's our show
1: Yeah. So yeah, I would really recommend it. It's, it, it is such a cute visual style. It is like constantly, it's, it's pretty, the music is very chill for the most part. You're, you're not like doing, you're completing kind of like interesting puzzles and and they, they go pretty far with the mechanics. I really like how they push some of the, the, the puzzles and like, you know, a lot of, you know, good puzzle design. Is it like creating an initial problem and having the player solve it and then building upon that knowledge? um so they they do a like a phenomenal job with that and the game is just like rewarding it's awesome when you finally get that new thing uh that lets you progress or you find that new route that uh you have the right uh you know like equipment and stuff for uh so i yeah just just it's super chill it's super good i i love the hell out of it i recommend it so highly
0: Oh, you know what I recommend so highly? And you know what other game has a vacuum? Uh is Slime Rancher. And it's so, almost
1: it almost like just from the out from the outside, it reminds me of that because like there is literal slimes in in uh in this game, but it's also I guess you're are you like you're ranching, you're controlling these little things and vacuuming them up.
0: So let me talk about this game. This is a farming game. So first off, or, or a ranching game, right? Uh pretty well known, fifty, you know, fifty seven thousand reviews on Steam with a 97% positivity rate, overwhelmingly positive. Such an insanely positive game on sale, on this uh, sale that I mentioned, which is the uh, theme Open World Sale, because this is an open world game. It's not procedurally generated. It's a handcrafted world. And what you are doing is you are a rancher who started your life on a planet called the Far, Far Away, a thousand light years from Earth. And you've decided that you want to be a farmer and you want to harvest slimes. So you have a backpack, which is like, you have like a vac pack, a vac pack, you know, so like a uh, wild at heart or Luigi's manch. Oh. Uh, and you can suck up slimes and then you could put them into pens. And then when you feed them, they create plorts and you sell the plorts and then you get money. And then you could use the money to build pens that you could put slimes in. And then you have twice as many like you have twice, you could store twice as many slimes, and you get twice as many plorts, and then you could build another farm. <laughs> uh, but essentially, it is uh, an open world exploration game. Also, is there like you- a
1: goal? Is it completing, or is it more of that? Um...
0: There is a goal, but the goal is to satisfy your curiosity because huh. you are trying to get through this like open world of. Uh, it- so th- the actual flow of the game is kind of hard to explain, but as you collect uh, and sell. More plorts, um, you are getting access to different types of upgrades. So uh, there is this phosph—I I figure what they're called—phosphorescent slimes uh, that like float around, and if you get enough of their plorts and sell them, you'll get access to a jetpack. And once you have the jetpack, there are different areas that you could access that you couldn't get to before that have different types of slimes. Uh, So the other thing is that, like, all the slimes have, like, a different type of food that they like. Uh, So rock slimes will only eat vegetables, uh, and if you give them a a heartbeat, then they will uh, produce twice as many plorts. So you're trying, so you can also create, like, gardens. So it's like you could have your, like, your beets harvesting next to your rock slimes, and then you feed the you know, them, the beets and then you get twice as many plorts and, and that's all well and good. But, but the other thing that goes on is that uh, the slimes can be bred. So you can breed, for example, let, let's say that you have a slime that you really want to harvest, uh, but they have a really challenging diet. However, when you breed slimes, it combines their dietary desires. Uh, and a very common slime is a pink slime. So you could... Breed maybe a slime that only wants meat, which is harder to obtain, with a pink slime and then you could feed it anything and it'll be fine with that. And then whenever you breed slimes, uh, you get a hybrid which makes them more difficult to tend to because some slimes uh, act in certain ways, like some of them can fly so that makes it so that uh, they could leave the pen or you have to put like a ceiling on the pen and some of them will just disappear in the daylight. Like some slimes will only come out at night. Some will only come out of the day. So if you wanted to like breed slimes, then you're going to have to take that into account. Like you, if you're going to breed a slime that will only be out at night, then you have to make sure that all of that is done uh, within like a cave. But essentially like as you're unlocking more money, as you're selling these plorts and getting more money, you're unlocking like new parts of your farm that are giving you access to different things, and eventually you unlock, like, a laboratory, which, like, opens up, like, totally new, like, totally crazy systems, which, like, upends the game entirely. There's so much going on in this game, uh, and I am just, like, I am hooked on this game of just, like, trying to find, like, the perfect setup for my farms and, like, just trying to find new slimes. I I think I've only seen, like, seven of the slimes so far, but I think that there's, like, 20 or so and then they can all be bred to create hybrids of all of them so there's like a lot going on oh the other thing is that uh i mentioned that you could breed slimes by putting two of them together but if a slime eats a like if a bread slime eats a third type of plort so essentially like if you try to breed three types of slimes together uh you create an evil slime a tar slime who can kill all the other slimes so you kind of have to be a bit careful about the way that you do the breeding so you don't mess things up
1: so hard for me to understand visual like what you would really be doing i guess you're just you're so you just are just seeing what you can see
0: well it's like there is progression and there's also like um you will get like quests from people as you as you proceed and as you i, I don't know how the game treats like is is like keeping like i don't know what progress like how progress is actually defined but there is also like a, Throughout the world, there are also these giant slimes called Gordo slimes. And you have to feed them a lot of food. And when you do, they explode. And when they explode, there are treasures inside of them that might also include uh, keys, uh, which can be used to open doors, which will take you to new region. So it is just like, I don't know, it has a progression in the same way that like Stardew Valley has a progression. But it's a little more... Uh, fluid like it is very much like this is a big open world progress the way that you want to progress and, and and i bet that there's also a chance that uh the slimes that i'm seeing and that i've found might be different from the order in which you come across slimes in your game
1: that would be pretty cool Hey i, I want to give that a shot well i must give this
0: i am so captivated by this game and that's that's slime rancher i've been playing so many games though
1: are there any more
0: uh yeah uh so i also picked uh, yeah. up i also picked up outward
1: oh yeah oh, another yeah, open indeed. world
0: game so outward is a hardcore old school rpg combined with a survival game so it has like kind of like dark souls combat of like you know like light attack heavy attack do rolls do you know blocking and, and there's is it like good or is it not uh, the tight. combat feels good okay. uh, i i don't think that it is like dark souls tier uh it is yeah i i don't think that it is like as good as the dark souls combat system but it is uh serviceable and also there is enough uh penalty in, in the game to feel like uh combat matters and i and i think that that is that that sort of gives it some weight but essentially this is a It is exactly that. It is a survival game, so it has, like, mechanics of if you get hit, you're going to bleed and you have to bandage yourself, and you have to worry about food and water and sleeping and, like, how much you're carrying, and also an old-school RPG of there is not map and there is not quest markers, and all that you have is, like, a map. You have a map of the region, but it doesn't give you, like, a marker on where your character is, so you have to use... Uh, like the landscape and follow rivers and things like that to figure out where to go, and the game essentially opens with uh, so them saying, "Hey, you have five days to get five in-game days to find 150 silver, or you're gonna lose your home." And friend of the show Kevin, who I'm playing this with co-op, the game has uh, full full co-op by the way. Uh, Is actually, it only or two players only. Okay. Uh, he actually lost his home and he has to try to get it back so he doesn't have anywhere like safe and secure to sleep anymore because he couldn't pay it back in time because he kept dying and he lost his home. Uh, the game also has like a Dark Souls style save system where it's kind of just like saving all the time and if you like try to... like there's no save scumming and if you die it like instantly records it and saves that moment because you don't get to uh, you don't get to go back on that when you die. So there is, like, a real weight to um, to death. And at the start of the game, it's so crazy because they're just like, you have to go collect this gold, and we're not going to tell you how to do it. Like, just go out there and figure it out. And, and I think that that was a really, like, brutal and interesting introduction to the to the world of the game, like, to the way that the game works. I don't know what the actual main story quest looks like, but my understanding is that there are like three different factions and you align yourself with one of the factions uh, and it is it permanently locks you uh, to their quests so very different from the way that like Elder Scrolls does it where it's like well I can be in every single guild and I'm in the mages guild and I'm in the dark brotherhood and I'm also the the king of the fighters guild and nobody knows who I am still yep so it doesn't have any of that as far as I could tell because it seems like you can only really take one path and then stick to it which kind of goes with the notion of this being, like, a pretty hardcore game. I, I haven't unlocked magic yet, and apparently, like, getting magic and getting to be a mage in this game, it, it has, like, a pretty complex and deep magic system, but they don't... But you start out as a normal person, and if you want to do magic, you have to, like, attune yourself to magic uh, by going to, like, these ritual sites, as as, as I understand it, and, like essentially like i don't know what the process is but the process for getting magic is kind of complicated uh but other than that uh there's not like leveling up or anything like that like you're crafting better uh weapons and armor basically based on like the monsters that you kill and what you find you're getting access to armor like the best thing that i found so far is like you know when you're like scraping by in these games and you like find an item it's like such a good feeling yeah and we were like scraping by in this cave and like anything in in this cave could like kill us at any moment uh and i was able to find like this mushroom shield and it was such a relief because it was the first shield that i've seen in the game and it like totally changed things for us it like totally changed our locker around, we were able to actually like take a hit and survive without having to bandage up and then i was able to just like take aggro on things and like have them kill them uh but essentially other than your armor and your weapons the only thing that you're getting is you're getting access to uh, special abilities uh, that you train with people and learn so you can learn like uh, There are different like weapons based on whether uh, You're using two hand and one hand and specifically whether you're using like a two-handed axe or are you using a spear? Or are you using a maul or a bow or any of that? And there's like if you could go and you could do daggers and then work with like sneak attacks and things like that. So there's like a pretty good variety of uh, gameplay styles and like the way that the skill tree like will work, but I'm I'm not far in it enough to really talk about that. Uh, it 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 reviewed surprisingly well. Like a PC gamer gave it uh, 89 out of 100. But but the reviews for it on Steam are a little less impressive, where it's only like 74 positive, And I feel like a lot of the negativity is just around the game being very like obtuse and brutal. Uh, but I'm digging it. I think it's a it's an interesting and and and, and in this in this world in this this economy economy it's it's a pretty unique experience where they don't really make uh, RPGs like this anymore.
1: That's good. Do you have anything? Do you want to to hear about more games? I guess so. Oh my god! That's the that's the solution. That's the the purpose.
0: Uh, I'll dip my toes in a little bit and tell you that I I I got back into Monster Train a bit. I played the new expansion.
1: Okay, there's an expansion.
0: There's an expansion where they've added a sixth faction to the game. And it's a pretty cool faction, essentially. So we've talked about Monster Train before. It is a tower defense style, uh, sort of deck builder-y Slay the Spire, uh, where at the outset of the game you're choosing a primary faction and a sub-faction. And then you're getting like a, a really powerful like champion card from your main faction. And then you're essentially just like building up your deck like getting access to new uh, creatures and magic spells and you're buffing them and you're just it's a it's a run based game where you're just uh you go you know you do your best then you you uh, try again it's a roguelite that that's the word right there it's a roguelite so the new expansion adds a new faction to the game that essentially has uh they're a worm faction and the way that they work is They are trying to infest the area that you're in, and essentially, like as you infest it, uh, your character, you you essentially like have this extra currency going on of like how infested is the room that I'm in, and then it lets you use more powerful cards. So it's essentially like a resource-based clan of like you are using cards to generate infestation, and then you're using other cards that are extremely powerful uh, to spend them. So it's interesting because, uh, similar to Slay the Spire, the game has an energy system, and with this faction you're kind of working on two energy systems at once, which is like your primary energy and then your infestation. Uh, so that was a pretty cool faction, and it's cool also because when you, un- <clears throat> it, it's not like you're unlocking a new faction, It's you're unlocking a new, uh, you know, you can combine this faction with the other five factions in the game. And it's essentially creating like seven or I don't know like six or seven new uh, gameplay styles that you could go for by mixing uh, this clan with the other clans that are currently in the game. Uh, so I'm digging that monster train. Still, still pretty underrated. I mean, it it has it, it reviews overwhelmingly positive on Steam. Like it has t- amazing, terrific reviews. But I feel like it's still a little bit you know niche, a little bit. Uh, not well-known. That's interesting.
1: I thought it was more uh, well-known at this point, but I guess not.
0: You want to hear about some more games?
1: Just keep going.
0: I've been playing some Mass Effect Legendary Edition. <sighs> it's It sure is Mass Effect. For it's better. Steam? Okay. So I'm playing it on Steam. Uh, I am playing Mass Effect 1, uh, which I have not played in a while. So I've never played Mass Effect 3. I played Mass Effect 1 on Xbox 360 when it came out. I... I think I beat that game in, like, the first week or two that it came out. So it, it's weird going back to this one because uh, I thought... I, I remember absolutely nothing about Mass Effect. Uh, did you play Mass Effect?
1: I did. I played all the Mass... Well, I played the three Mass Effects.
0: It would be surprising if you hadn't. But uh, I, I going into this, I was like, I remember nothing about Mass Effect. So this will be cool. It'll be, like, blank slate. Uh, but then as you go in, you kind of start to remember things. So, like... You get to the Citadel, for example, which is like the main city. And then you're like, oh, yeah, the Citadel. I remember what happens here. Or, oh, yeah, the Keepers, those little creatures on the Citadel. Now I remember those things. Uh, And it's kind of been that process of like going through the game again and just like remembering little by little all the things that I knew about it. Uh, They've redone the gameplay. So now there is there used to be like this ridiculous weapon sway. Uh, if you if you weren't proficient in a weapon. So they took that out. So now uh, any class can use any weapon. There's no weapon sway. Obviously, if you are using a weapon that is better for you, you get access to all sorts of additional benefits, better damage. The game looks great. Uh, it looks amazing. They updated all the visuals. They added, I don't know if they added DLSS. They might have They added HDR. I, they might have added ray tracing. Not sure. But, but it looks great. Um, so here's, it it feels like an old game though. One thing that I found to be like so shocking about it, especially after playing games like Cyberpunk, is how empty all the areas feel. Where it's like you are on the Citadel, which is like the galactic capital. It is the capital of the galaxy, of the universe, of whatever. Uh, and you're walking through mostly empty areas where this is a place that has like millions and millions of inhabitants, and you are walking through mostly empty corridors, which is so weird when you compare it to like modern games like Cyberpunk that actually feel like lived in, in a way, where it's like, okay, people aren't doing like complex routines, but there are people here, you know? And I think that that is the thing that has been the most um, jarring to me is that. And also, like, I'm doing the Renegade playthrough, and it, it's so funny. It, it's so funny the way that, like, the voice lines work in that game, where your character, because of the way that, like, the dialogue system works, your character will go up to someone and they'll be like, what's the situation? And then they'll be like, oh, we just got ambushed by the Geth. And then you're able to just be a Renegade and be like, shut up and tell me where they went. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's always very, it's, so it's very po- polarizing, and it's very weird. Like, it, it, it's it, the first, the first massive. I guess the, the series itself, as 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 a whole did this like horrible thing that, thankfully, we've kind of grown past, and that's that like dumb binary good evil and you kind of only are getting rewarded for well, going all the way good or evil so we'll, just we'll de- get to that in a second you just decide that in the beginning so so it, it, like you're never first of all you're never making that real you, you're basically never making that decision on your own you've already made the decision and it's also especially weird in mass effect because like you said like the same voice actor does it but it's so it's delivered so weird like the like the i feel like all the Regular dialogue is delivered in the Paragon way of like, hey, how are you doing? And then people say, ask you that, that thing. And then the prompt, the, the good Paragon thing is, okay, then I would love to help. And then the Renegade one is always just like, well, you deal with that on your own, you shit peace like it's so weird it's so we're we're
0: in a war right now there's gonna be casualties
1: it's like but you just said hey how you doing like you prompted the question why like why are you getting so angry i
0: know it's so funny you if you take that for what it is especially as like knowing like this is an old game then i think that it's totally fine and i actually uh love it because it just feels like so like campy to me yeah and maybe that wasn't their uh intention but the original Mass Effect is 14, is that right? 14. That makes years sense. Old. Oh, yeah, it
1: makes 14 sense. 14
0: years old, 2007 is when that game came out. So, I mean, that's that's crazy. Is it is that 14? I don't know. Six. It it's, depends on when it it's, came it's, out. It's I mean, that's 14. It's it's a it's an incredible amount of time. Uh, so that's that's kind of fun. It's been fun revisiting that. And I and I actually I, I actually feel like I'm going to get through it. Like, I'm actually drawn enough to play through that. All of them are little. just one. I'll see where I'm at. I mean, I know that 2 is such an amazing game that I can't imagine myself not playing through. 2 I remember much better. 2,
1: though. two, yeah, 2
0: was much better in general. And 3 I never played. And I know that this also has all of the DLC and that they've also retooled some of the, some of the impact of certain decisions and how they affect things later in the game. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in understanding that a bit more. That's and and a, like I said, high... I, I never played three, uh, so I'd be int- interested in trying that. So y- you know how you said that Mass Effect does a thing with good and evil, and that games don't do th- that anymore.
1: Oh no! Do you have a game that does this?
0: So I've been playing Bio Mutant. Ah. Oh. Uh, you've seen this game. You've you've heard of this game. So uh, Bio Mutant, you can play this uh, for fifteen dollars on EA Play Pro, and. Uh, you can also play Mass Effect Legendary Edition and you can also play Knockout City. All of this is available on EA Play Pro. Uh, honestly they should be paying me uh, because this is, this is going to get people to sign up for EA Play Pro so that they can play all these great games. So I've been playing Biomutant and the setup for this game is so funny because they don't really give you any information about the combat. The, the first thing that they do is say, pick a class. And they give you some information about the classes. There's, like, six classes that are, like, here's the Psy Freak. They do magic. Here's the Commando. And then and then here's, like, a stealth guy. And here's a, like, two-handed sword guy. But they make you do any of this before you do any tutorials or anything.
1: Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad.
0: Ugh. Which is, like, annoying because you actually don't know what you're getting into. This is also a problem with Mass Effect 1. These games are very similar. Where you choose a class and they don't actually tell you... Uh, what any of it means where it's like okay you want to be a a sentinel that's a mixture between the biotics and the soldiers so you get a little bit of this and a little bit of that surprise you can't use sniper rifles (laughs) Uh, and BioMutant does something similar where they're like we're not gonna tell you we're not gonna give you a feel for what the psionics are like or the shooting but we're gonna make you do this extremely important decision that you can't go back on and you can't change which class do you want
1: yeah this is weird. this game has been in development for so long. it's like t h q nordic and I remember seeing i've had it on my wish list for like five years. It's been on Steam uh like as it like an upcoming game for ridiculously long and it's so always been a very amorphous like what is it a game what is what yeah, so is I
0: it? should talk about what the game is so it is an open world um it is an open world RPG that is similar to uh, like a Breath of the Wild, but more so like an Assassin's Creed. But it has uh, the flow of there are these four giant creatures that you need to kill. And you need a, a, a vehicle that will do it. So you're going to make these vehicles and you're going to use the vehicles to kill these giant world beasts. Uh, and if you're good, you're going to save the world. And if you're bad, you're going to end the world. So after you make your character... You run forward, and there is a literal fork in the road where a little like demon comes out, and a little angel comes out, and it's like, "What's the color of your key? Are you, is it red and dark, or is it blue and light?" And right there, you choose like, "Okay, where do I want to start leaning? Do I want to start leaning good, or do I want to start leaning evil?"
1: Wow, why do this? Why do this? It's, do it's this? gonna like... matter
0: because. Uh, there are factions in the game and the factions are good and evil and they have weapons and they have armor. So figure it out. And also, are you, are you into psionics? Do you want telekinesis? Well, I hope you chose evil because if you didn't choose evil, you're not getting telekinesis. You're going to get get levitate. Uh, I chose evil. I am an evil psy freak, uh, which means I chose right. Obviously, if you're going to go psionics, you're going to go evil, right? Because you want to do, like... You want to shoot, like, lightning from your fingers. You want to do, like, Emperor Palpatine. Like, throwing things around. I don't know. So How the could, actual Can you game, still kind
1: of... I, this is, like... I don't even know. This this already sounds so whatever. But can you do... Can you dabble in a lot of other things? You're just not as good yeah. at... Okay, oh, so. you
0: definitely... You're definitely dabbling. So it, it you are getting access. Your class gives you access to, like, a bunch of passives. But you are going to be... Uh, using everything you're going to be using melee weapons you're going to be using guns and you're going to be using uh psionic powers no matter who you choose at the start it's just that there are perks that are going to make you better uh at doing whatever your main the main thing you chose is so i get like better like energy regeneration i start out with a psionic ability that other people don't but i actually don't know uh like what the difference is cuz i've only played one character. I thought about rolling another character just so that i could get like some idea of what it looks like to be somebody else, like of what the other thing looks like. Um this game would be wildly successful at $30. This game is a great game for $30. This is a 30 for $30 fantastic value. Uh worth checking out, you know, it's it's low stakes $30. This is a sixty-dollar game. <laughs> oh no! So, so, so therein lies the problem. But it's interesting. It has a lot of good ideas. Uh, the combat feels really cool, actually. Um, and different what? We- so essentially, like you are finding like weapon parts throughout the world, and you are putting them together. Like you know how Borderlands has like this system of like there are all of these different gun parts. And the when a weapon drops, it's assembling them for you based on that. Yeah. And, like, the way that the weapon is constructed is based on, like, these random parts that, like, change everything about it. So that's kind of what's happening in Biomutant. Except that more often than getting, like, a full weapon, you're getting a part of a weapon. And then once you have enough parts of it, you're kind of jury-rigging it together. So when you actually get enough parts uh, to create a weapon, that is, like, very satisfying. Uh, and... As you're leveling up, you're unlocking new, like, uh, essentially like the the main thing that's changing with combat is that you're learning new ways to use weapons of like, okay, after you've now unlocked an ability where after you double jump with a two-handed weapon, uh, you get to do this move. Uh, But aside from that, there are also uh, uniques. And the unique weapons have uh, their own unique movesets. so, for example, all of the all of the factions have unique weapons, and uh, like the thing that I mentioned earlier, of like the evil factions have weapons, light factions have weapons. So you can get all of the weapons, and the way that you do that is by completely uh, you either befriend the clan and you get the weapons, or you completely eliminate a clan, and that will also give you the weapon. Uh, so, for example, I completely eliminated the. Uh, the first good clan that you run into, and I got access to like a boomerang. So the boomerang was pretty cool because it actually fully replaced like my ranged weapon and, you know, it doesn't have ammo. So I never have to reload it, so that's pretty cool. And it has a unique moveset where after a double jump I can uh, use the boomerang and then I will do like a twirling dash towards the target. So I, I am so far very impressed with the Diversity of options in the combat just because of like the different way that all of the weapons operate the fact that there are Unique weapons that play like you know that have like their a whole their whole systems going on Uh, Then there's the psionics, which is a whole other thing There are mounts that you're you're out in the world and you're collecting mounts this game has a lot going on and like I said the combat is actually pretty cool the enemy variety is pretty cool, but there's just th- the main problem with the game and the reason why uh, this is more of a $30 game than a $60 game is that it's kind of lacking in substance. There is nothing that is really propelling you forward other than like, I want to level up and see more cool weapons and like get a cool mount and move really fast. And I want to, you know, unlock the high level psionics or whatever. But the <clears throat> there isn't that kind of draw that you had in like Zelda where in Zelda, it's like, okay, I want to go to that place because I just want to see what's there, and that's interesting to me. This game, the reason why I said it's kind of like Assassin's Creed is that there's kind of like this very checklisty nature to it. Oh, I don't like that. Where when you enter into a new area, it's like, okay, this area has a, a legendary melee weapon, and it has um two resource totems, and it has an old-world gadget... And you're essentially like you go to an area and then you're like trying to complete like this checklist. And like I don't know, like that's that kind of makes the the exploration feel just a little less a little less impactful for me. Yeah. Like it the world is beautiful, the game looks great, it like runs great, it, it feels pretty good to play. It's a it's a little floaty. There's not as much impact as there could be. Like I wish that there were more uh, impact to your hits and to getting hit um oh and then the other thing that's really weird about this game so this game has a narrator but the issue with the narrator is that okay so none of the creatures in the game speak english so the narrator is acting as a translator for every
1: oh that's not good piece of dialogue the you're just in the game this is bad
0: where so you'll hear the characters speaking like <laughs> and then then he's saying he says that you need to go over to the green area and kill the guys that are there. Wow, that's a, the
1: so lowest rent way of ever doing this. Like it, it, so it, he's it,
0: doing it's, that for every single for, for every single piece of dialogue in the game. He is just doing that
1: it feels like it would actually well first of all that is horrible and second of all it feels like it would be if you don't want to record a lot of dialogue and you just want to get away with like simlish it feels like it's better just having subtitles like what's wrong with just, just having that what's, ha- what's so wrong with having annoi- subtitles
0: it's actually incredibly annoying like he he does his damnedest but he's only one man you know what i mean oh well you almost so said it, it like just... a narrator the narrator oh tries God.
1: his best he does his damnedest but he's only one man.
0: He is, dude. It's so
1: <sighs> that is that. No, that just sounds horrible. This, so this like game, really you kind of like wiped a, a this good. game off my. Uh, I've just told you list.
0: exactly. I, I'm. It's just that is the honest thing about this game. I think that some people you saw some reviews and some people rated this game a nine out of ten, and some people rated this game a four out of ten. We're going to love this game, and some people just won't because, and it's basically, what are you trying to get out of it? This game, I, I could justify this game, someone buying this game for $30. And like I said, if, if you just want to check it out, if like maybe, maybe you're like, okay, I want to see what that combat is about, or uh, the open world looks really cool, and the, the open world is really cool, and also the creature design in this game is amazing. The creatures look incredible. The game looks incredible. It runs so well, and... You know, maybe for $15 on EA Play Pro, I would say, yeah, check this out. And for $15, right? For $15 with EA Play Pro, you get access to new games like Biomutant, exciting multiplayer game like Knockout City, and Mass Effect Legendary Edition. The entire Mass Effect Legendary Trilogy.
1: Wow. 67 on Metacritic.
0: Yeah, that's... I mean, and the reviews are all over the place, and... The game is all over the place. That's what it sounds you know? like.
1: It certainly sounds weird that they developed this for this long. It sounds like they nailed that combat and the look of things and the overall world, and then they just pieced it together. Like, it seemed like they were, like, maybe they rushed to do that uh, end kind of stuff at the very end. Like, well, we have a great, you know,
0: format incredibly and incredibly ambitious.
1: And, and we've done so much. And then at the very end, they're like, oh shit, we need, like, a a uh, good and evil system, and we need a uh, like a narrator to actually. We need someone to voice these lines. We don't have time. Something like that happened. Like it's like, it, or it just had been in development for so long, in development hell for so long. So that they're just trying to make up for some of these weird things. Uh, ugh, yeah, that doesn't really sound like uh like my cup of tea at the moment. Um.
0: Yeah, you don't need to play this. There are so many other like. Uh, it, it's hard to justify like games like that when when there are i am time is the precious resource right so even if i say oh for for $15 you know try it out but also like your your time has a lot of value and and it's a it's probably a long game i think that you know this is like a a 30 hour game but i don't know there is i'm still going to play it a little bit more i am because i i am having fun with the combat and i feel like there is just a little more in there that I want to see and that I want to understand before I close the book on it. I I want to meet the other factions, like collecting like the unique weapons and like all like the unique armor and like piecing parts together. And I, I want to get telekinesis and I want to I want to throw people around. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit more because I already paid for the month on EA Play Pro. Uh, but once it once I lose it, I won't be sorry.
1: So speaking of time, do we have time to talk about? Resident evil village because i feel like there's there's so much i want to say um so i don't but know I did,
0: but i but i also played a lot of the outer worlds Ugh, okay
1: <laughs> reel me right back <laughs> we are,
0: in we don't have to talk about the outer worlds too much but i will say that it's pretty good um it was on sale I, I, right I, it, it it's it, a part it's of this this big you know sale that, this open world yeah sale? It's the open world sale so that game is uh 30 dollars it's on sale for 30 dollars um so that's pretty cool uh I'm I I dig the aesthetic of this and I especially dig the aesthetic of the um of the expansions for the game. So there are two expansions and they're both these kind of like mysterious detective noir who done it stories and both of those are kind of cool. It it gets away from the good and evil system, but instead there are just like a lot of factions. So there are like all of these different corporations and all of these different groups of like outlaws and people. And I, I'm not going to finish this game. I'm not, I'm not going to finish this game. I think it's actually uh, on the shorter so, side,
1: but so I don't, I don't know how DLC. it's going to
0: end. Yeah. You know, what, what happened though, is I actually got to part of the reason why I like games like uh, fallout and I like games like uh Morrowind and, and like the elder Scrolls series is I actually like the gear treadmill in a way. I, I like unlocking better and cooler things and like unique looking like crazy swords. And, and I feel like in, the, in Outer Worlds, I saw enough of it. And there are some cool uniques that do like some really interesting things. Uh, the coolest gun I found uh, was a cannon where once you fire it at someone, uh, gravity doesn't apply to them. So they essentially like just start floating around. And so that, so that led to some really cool moments. There's a literal shrink ray where you shoot them and they get very small. Well, that's neat. Uh, so, so that kind of stuff was cool, but I don't know. Ultimately, like I got to a point of like, I maxed out like my lockpick. I hit like 150 lockpicking. And I, I realized that anything that I could lockpick that takes 150 lockpicking, that there's some other way in. And It made me feel kind of bad because, like, I spent all of this effort getting to 150 lockpicking. You get 10 points, 10 skill points a level, right? 10 skill points a level. So the actual investment to get to 150, like, because you hard cap at 100, but some things ask for 150. I got 150 lockpicking, and I realized that pretty much everything that takes that much, you can find in some other way. You find like a key. There's a key somewhere in the world. So getting 150 lock picking, all that it did for me is it provided me with a shortcut, with a with a shortcut, a faster way to get to items that I could have gotten to some other way.
1: It's pretty funny too, because you're just missing out on gameplay. Like rather than doing something and looking all over the place to try and find this key to progress, you're just like, well, I have 150 lock picking, so I just walk up to it and I pick the lock.
0: Yeah. But that's also like a very that is kind that's of an open like world problem d- that we've talked it's about. It's a and D system, also. Like that is that is a, a thing in D D, also.
1: I feel like it's it's on some level of that open world problem we've talked about, where um, they need everyone to be able to do it. So like, there's like uh, I, I you uh, what cyberpunk had this bad where it's like uh, there's two there's three routes. There's the the stealth route, the gun route, or the the um, the the talking talk, route. The talking route. And we need everyone to be able to do it. So no matter what, like you'll all get to the end of this, this and fight this boss. But one person is going to just see that like, oh, there's a, uh, there's a vent. I'm going to use the vent. And one person is just going to shoot the guards. And one person is going to uh, just talk to the guards and tell them like, how was your day? Are you okay? Yeah.
0: Some games have succeeded in this. Uh, Definitely older, older games that are willing to let you fail do such a better job at this. Uh, I don't know if you remember Alpha Protocol. Um, few yeah, I do. do.
1: It was like an Xbox 360 game, right?
0: Yeah, like, with like hardcore, intense RPG systems. But, but the funniest thing about it is that the last boss in the game, you can talk them out of fighting. To. It's an Obsidian game, also, so it's Obsidian Entertainment. The last boss of the game, you could you could be like, let's not fight, and I'll be. And if your skill is high enough, they'll be like, all right, let's not. Dope. <laughs> And that to me is just like, that's good stuff.
1: So I don't know. Do you have? Do would you want to talk? about I would like to, but I think that it, it's. You want to
0: talk about spoilers for I, Resident yeah, Evil I, Village? Yeah, I would. I
1: would be absolutely fine with that as long as you're fine with that. Are because, we done
0: talking about other games? But I want, I I almost just
1: want to talk about Village. Like I I I love Village.
0: Nothing to I, say about Valorant tournament.
1: Uh, the Valorant tournament was the, it was the Reykjavik. It was, it, it was, yeah. it was an incredible, it was, it was an incredible, it was every, I feel like I, I end up saying this every Valorant tournament, but it was the best Valorant tournament. There, uh, I, one of the, uh, Rivington, I think, was talking about one that. One of
0: the best esports tournaments. One of the best, v- e- e- e-
1: it, yeah, like, actually, I'll say that too, actually, it was one of the best esports tournaments. It, I, I the whole week, I could not stop thinking this couldn't get any better if they literally wrote it on a script. And they were joking about a script the last day. Like there was just so many. It, 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 it was the it was a tournament of overtimes and uh, like you know the entire thing being flipped on the head. The teams were playing like especially the the by the by the end of the tournament the teams that were alive in the end of the tournament were playing at like such a ridiculously close level of like just. Just games being won or lost by one play in overtime, um, and it was insane. Like it, it was, it was cool uh, for the most part. Like uh, it, it, it represents a good uh, future for Valorant. The one thing I would say is like it just shows more and more that like agent balance, I don't think, is where anyone should want it to be at. Like the the best players end up like the the big fragger kind of people end up playing on uh, Jet. And I, there's there's currently no character that, like, competes for that role. And because of it, it's just, like, she was, like, everywhere in the tournament. The only other time that you saw anyone else was, like, Tens playing Reyna. But for the most part, the position of, like... Like, Jet is its own position in this game. Uh, where, yeah, so where... they...
0: I don't think... So, I think what you said is a little unfair. Because you said that the character balance is off. And I would disagree because we actually saw every single character in the game. I was surprised that Brimstone a is
1: a is in the game as a mostly as a, a uh dust pick. Um not dust bind.
0: <laughs> uh he gets played on uh Haven by some Europeans yeah. but yeah. Every single character saw play Sky saw a lot uh, of actually saw a lot Rory more play than only I only lost. Uh definitely Yoru is the weakest character in the game and I nobody could argue that. Yoru is far and away the worst character in the game uh every other character viable some of them are situational uh i think that we're gonna viper, see. viper certainly you
1: know, back in the meta
0: viper's in the meadow we we saw some in, insane viper plays uh and some f- good fakes and things like that uh i i think the current meta is is pretty exciting they're gonna they're reworking some characters they announced some reworks uh, yeah, for and Reach and for sky that are coming. It's,
1: it seems largely on on line with kind of the things that I said. I actually kind of like what they're what they were talking about. They were talking about um, buffing Yoru and particularly making his footsteps more impactful. I don't know how they'll do that. We've talked before about how his ghost footsteps. Are, they're easily the worst ability in the game? It's hard to tell when they're ever working, and it's 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 so easy to forget they exist on his kit and then play totally fine. Um, you never know. Like it's such a weird thing. Like maybe there's times where in in in, in a game I, I, you can't really we you can't rewatch a replay, but maybe there every once in a while is a time where you set up a footstep and it draws an enemy towards it and they waste time or they peek on it. But I, I basically never see this ability be used in any interesting way. And for a character that like is kind of supposed to I think they're pushing him more towards that, like competing with Jet where he can take like Jet's main thing at this point is taking a suicide angle on defense and being able to use OP and get a kill and then uh dash to cover. And then her thing on uh, it's also like um her econ. Um and he doesn't play he like he could play this role with his with his teleport, but he or with his gate crash or whatever, but he currently doesn't. Um but really just that that ability is so forgettable. It's it's not a he he to be more like Jet, he would need more abilities that you are that are in fight abilities that are abilities that you could just like throw out and like in the middle of quickly in the middle of a fight, and I don't know how they would make that into a more interesting, useful ability. Um, and uh, they, for Sky and uh, Breach, they were talking about uh, taking some of the power away from their flashes and putting it onto the rest of their kit. Um, the, the the flashes are so powerful. They have three of them. They're so frustrating. They last for 2.5 seconds. And in, in non-pro play, I've experienced a lot of, like, getting flash for 2.5 seconds, and then before the flashes, like, then just getting flash right as soon as... I'm coming out of that flash and that kind of stuff can be really frustrating so i don't know i wonder what they'll do i wonder if they are experimenting you you know how they did the replication mode it's either
0: going to be yeah they're going to do diminishing returns on flashes or they're going to do a cooldown on flashes so they're going to make it that if you've been flashed recently you have some kind of resilience to getting flashed again
1: yeah and uh in the replication mode you they which is the current um like like non competitive fun mode. Yeah. It's um, gone by the way, but yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, well, it was there. Uh you could play at you play as five of the same character and they had a built-in diminishing return. So I figured that they were kind of like testing the waters with this type of thing. But yeah, yeah it was a it was a phenomenal tournament. I was so happy with it. First LAN, uh happy with the results and happy with the games overall. How how could I be any more happy with it? Um the the gun balance is great. The the I, I guess yeah the current meta is pretty good it, there's there's popular picks and, and situational picks i still feel like there needs to be a little bit more of a um like analog to jet and a little bit more of a character that kind of competes with that that role more and i could still see some brim buffs making him a, more than just like a one map kind of guy
0: make his smokes really big um yeah so the rest of the podcast is just going to be resident evil village uh, so if you don't want to hear about Resident Evil Village story, then you can uh, go away for now. Next time.
1: Um, man, I, I've been talking to friend of the show, Jay about this a lot. Uh, a lot Did of people, a lot no? of people are, yes, he beat it. Uh, a lot of people are, and he's hungry for it. He just like loves talking about it. He's, pl- he's in his second playthrough and doing like Master of Shadows. Um, this is, v- Village is such a good game. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's such a surprisingly good game. Um, it's, among my favorite Resident Evil games, uh how how do you Name feel? Name your favorite
0: Resident Evil game.
1: If I had to, I'd say maybe the GameCube remake of 1 was one of I'm was Village, it, but okay. Yeah, I I could I, I think Village deserves that spot. It's one of those things where it's like nostalgia-wise, the the I pl- I had played the original Resident Evils, and the GameCube remake, I feel like was the best version of the first Resident Evil and 2 has the has a good remake. Um, yeah, maybe if I wasn't just going off of like, oh, this was my introduction to a lot of the aspects of the series, I would say that that village, I, I'll, I'll amend that I, I, I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot about this, like, where does this fit in? And I feel comfortable saying that it, it should be my favorite with if I just looked at the series as a whole, and where it's gone. Um one of the reasons why, like I, I love it so much, uh, off the off the bat, before getting into like some of the other things, is that it's the most consistent Resident Evil. And Resident Evil as a series has struggled so much with consistency. Um, usually, Resident Evil, uh, the best Resident Evils all start out very strong. They develop like a strong sense of of world and environment with like an initial thing like a mansion. Um, Resident Evil Four spends a lot of time in a village, and Resident Evil Four is is obviously what they were trying to evoke with village. Um, but they they start off with these strong, interesting areas, and then they go so far off the deep end, and the ending becomes like you're in a brightly lit like laboratory, and you're doing a lot of combat and just everything like the this sense of like I need to like understand this area more. Kind of falls apart as you're just like you're rushing towards the ending you're not you're usually like starting to not enjoy it and the game is giving you like a lot of padding and combat um and this and this game doesn't do that like the factory is the final part and it is one of the strong it's an amazing it's like the strongest ending to a resident evil um and they return to some of that older resident evil style and they, they kind of keep that throughout
0: yeah uh, well there also is like this change up at the end of the game and we're able to talk about everything so you also play as Chris for a little bit which yeah. is a pretty exciting action sequence where like you have access to very powerful weaponry and like uh, an airstrike yes and you're just going the through areas that you've already been but you get like very like powerful weapons and then yeah so a- every single Resident Evil game well specifically with 7 and then with 8 again in 7 I was like okay this is supernatural and there's no way that they're going to tell me that this is some science mumbo jumbo because like it's it's got to be supernatural and then they explain it away with science mumbo jumbo and i thought it was going to be the same thing this time where i was like okay these like women who are made out of like what are they made flies of flies i was like okay that's magic that that's magic they're like vampires there's no way that they're going to try to science away that and then they, they do. do
1: they,
0: they do they science away it. it's a terrible justification i think that it's the worst science mumbo jumbo in the game yeah there's like of one little thing of like
1: them. there's these three girls that were picked and they react well and like they were like basically like if i remember correctly they were like eaten alive by flies but then the flies were able to um re- reconstitute as them yeah yeah
0: so it's exactly that and I, I, they never really go into this but at, at some point it felt like there was this ancient lore of this town and like there were all of these like I don't know there there were sort of like these like th- this town had like these mysteries and like it had like this old folklore legends and then like the scientists kind of used technology to recreate or imitate the legends by creating like these monsters that mimicked the the lore of the town do i have that right
1: somewhat yeah like it starts off with that you know what's funny is that other people have talked about this baby's head um which is i guess that, that i'm not unique in thinking that it's a wild start like they start off with with that uh that allegory that that uh the storybook um, about this creepy different monsters and yes, like you said, like they kind of match up to the monsters that you face with the four lords. Um, and yeah, it's it's somewhat like that the lady uh, or mother Miranda um, through all these experiments kind of created this storybook. I don't know if, you know, um, it, it it starts off uh, pretty jarring with like the Mia stuff and I really hated that character to begin with. And I guess it makes sense that I hated her because she was again. Um, it was again, like her being not this time possessed, but like her being, um, uh, there's a it's double, a like it's a fake, uh, it's a doppelganger that like m- uh, mother Miranda is able to be her. So, um,
0: did you feel like very justified at the end of the game when they revealed that? Um,
1: I, I like I, I, I kind of, because I found her like extremely off putting, and it was it was weird. I, I like what one Resident Evil Village does many things right, and the ways that it fails are like things that I think they've never done right. Um, and that is like the characterization is insane. Like uh, the the this character I, I, as one thing that I talk about so often. This is like my biggest pet peeve. Um, and uh, you you I'm sure are aware of this is when is when games make a like leading character. And something bad happens to them, or a main character, and something bad happens to them, and I'm meant to feel some way about the character, but then there's no justification for that other than like they there's a spotlight shown on them. Um, like Mia has so much to answer to. Uh, I don't even know you know if, if you remember uh, everything about uh, Resident Evil Seven, but. She, like, lied to Ethan. She was involved in this project that involved, like, Evelyn and this, like, monster woman. And she knew about this, like, kind of mold and was experimenting with this like, kind of stuff. And she said that she was, like, away on holiday, like, taking care of a family or something like that. So she had all the, like, she, well, she li- said that
0: she was, like, babysitting. Which she is was, like, babysitting. She was, it's, like, kind of what she was hired to do with Evelyn. Where yeah, she was but it it was still
1: like you you know like it was a lie like it, like there was so much that was going on and that she wasn't being like upfront about and Ethan is just this like just dumb idiot who will do anything for people he loves it is crazy like nothing will stop this person uh, and he just goes to Louisiana to find her and I, throughout that game I never felt justified in in like why I would like Mia and I picked the non canonical Zoe ending where I like I gave Zoe the the um. The, the vaccine and then Zoe just dies shortly after that I think um, canonically uh, and then I think DLC revives her again but um, uh, like I, I I had no reason to like Mia like Mia lied to you and kind of gets you suckered into this and then tells you that she's and then in like I guess I don't know if she was lucid at the time but kind of reveals that she's in Louisiana and then that's what starts the events of seven um, and she's so creepy she's like actually probably the creepiest character in the game for me so. It was hard to, like, justify... It was hard to put that together and then start to like Mia in this game. Like, the, I I, I, I kind of had forgotten a lot about Seven and how many bad things Mia did and that there was no real, like, justification for actions or no real reckoning uh, to, to, to that. And Ethan is trying to talk to fake Mia about, like, how many problems he has with this whole situation um, and with her and, like, her not talking about it. And... I never liked. I just, I just had this instant gut reaction of like not liking this character, and she's so creepy. And it's kind of weird because in the arc of Resident Evil, for everything he's doing for his wife and for for Rose, Rose, I guess makes more sense. That's just a in, innocent baby. But for everything that he like cares about getting Mia back, I guess he does. He ever? I forget if he ever knows. He he, he doesn't do, know. Do
0: do we know though how long she had been replacing Mia? My my assumption is maybe that she replaced Mia. I- it's for not that say. long for
1: like a day I mean, or two
0: but but the other thing is how did ian and how did they end up here
1: um like... the the umbrella the the whatever it is the blue umbrella i think it's called the the new version of umbrella and chris specifically like worked with them to put them in there which was supposed to be as far away as possible i don't know how chris fucked up that much like umbrella just as a company fucks up and like in in village they're on this like you
0: know what i'm saying right how do you how do you possibly like be like okay we'll put you you're safe now next to this bio terror town well
1: i mean i guess the, the, the 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 some of that answer is like the last moment is that that kind of ridiculous reveal that some of the uh soldiers in this new umbrella are zombies uh that they're using like bioweapons uh again and that like so so like the the state of umbrella is apparently that like chris works for umbrella and they're doing this apology tour of like we're not a bad company and now uh, all the heads of the company and stuff has been overthrown and for whatever reason like even though the company is taking a completely new leaf instead of just starting a new company and dissolving this like horrible company that has like attempted to cause the apocalypse multiple times that they're going to like apologize and be whatever it is like blue umbrella. And Chris is a part of this like unit that is being funded by umbrella. And then their top told, like I guess re uh, like sent Ethan and his family to safety in a place that would never be dangerous. The exact worst place that he could possibly be where there is more of this mold creature monsters. And I guess because one of the last things is Chris seeing that one of the soldiers, is a bioweapon is it they're up to their old tricks again there that's another company you guys i
0: I think i don't remember who they said but that's another company because i I think it's the company that's working what were they called in in seven like the 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 arms company i forget uh it's not like totally but but i don't think that it's umbrella that is the people who are sending in the bioweapons i think it's someone else
1: i thought it was um but uh there's so so, yeah i would say that from like a uh narrative there's there's some more to be there there's there's, these games never um are that great i I feel like they try and do more um than i ever need them to do uh like I, i i don't actually need them to go as far as they do in some directions or try to like fit themselves into this overarching narrative i didn't need the um whole realization that like the founding fathers of umbrella were inspired by like mother Miranda and the mold and that like, she has kind of somehow been playing a spiritual hand in this entire, uh, it, it, like mess of a world. Um, like One thing I, I didn't that need I was that curious from like about. that dump.
0: Yeah. One thing that I was curious about is if, uh, they moved the BSAA, Ethan's by family, the, way, the BSAA, yeah, BSA. I, w- I was wondering if they moved Ethan there uh, because he needed to be near the mold to stay alive, or if there was something with that of like if something happened to Ethan, he could be kept alive by using the mycelium. Uh, so I don't know because they definitely knew it was there. I mean, they knew that Mother Miranda was an issue. That's how they. That's why they killed her. Yeah. Super. Also, so funny that they couldn't just be like, "That wasn't Zoe." We'll exp- like. You know, at least saying like that wasn't Zoe. We don't know where Zoe. That is, but that wasn't Mia. Her. But he was just like Ethan. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, well, they—they—it's they, it, it, this great. It's one of
1: those things where um, I'm glad that they that they at least wrote a dumb piece of dialogue later on where one of uh, one of Chris's soldiers is, is intel people says, you know, this all could have been avoided if we had just told Ethan. And then Chris is like, yeah and that's it like it's one of those really basic narrative um like like poor writers narrative tropes of like they they, the game starts out on chris murdering mia and there's a and like that hangs over the rest of the game uh, the game of like 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 chris what the hell are you doing why did you kill my wife and then chris is like i can't talk to you ethan and then like Basically, it's revealed later on. Like Chris did this for entirely justifiable reasons. Like if he had ever just, if he had immediately afterwards, instead of like knocking Ethan out and going through all this trouble, if he had just like shot Mia, doppelganger Mia, to death, and then told Ethan, like, yeah, that was never your wife. I'm sorry. Like we don't know where your wife is, but we're trying to find out now. There's there's no reason narratively why he. Doesn't want to tell him, and and also Chris is like kind of sh- kind of should be aware that like Ethan is like a bioweapon. and it's funny because I, I like when you get further through the game, there's points where like you've killed these some of these four lords, and you've done so much to progressing this story and bringing back your your child, and then Chris is like you're way out of your element, and it's like Chris, what the fuck have you done? What 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 have you been doing? I I I don't see any like, meaningful change that you've actually enacted, like, you or your team. I'm this one lone person that is, like, alone going through all these things and killing these, like, supernatural horrors, and then every once in a while I see on the outskirts, like, you guys are, like, have a little computer system set up that you're fiddling with. So weird that, like, like Chris, as a soldier, doesn't recognize, like, wow, Ethan's really getting this stuff done. Maybe we should tell him.
0: So, how did you feel about the reveal that Ethan was uh, dead? I mean, I actually didn't. It wasn't a shock, right? So, I mean... like, it wasn't.
1: Uh, it wasn't a shock. I, I guess I, I, I had it mildly spoiled for me because um, uh, people on the internet suck, and there was a recommended YouTube video that is uh, that was the the actual time that Ethan died for real, and the thumbnail of it was uh, Jack from Resident Evil Seven. Uh, about to stomp on Ethan, so I kind of in that moment like piece together like, oh, it did Ethan, like Ethan did have like a canonical death, and now he's a zombie, and and then um this game I like I, I think you and I both didn't remember that uh in Resident Evil Seven there's a couple like being di- being completely amputated, but like your leg being amputated, your arm being amputated, and Ethan just like pouring juice on it and being okay because when it when they do that in this game it's like it's so jarring that it feels insane like the, like the game uh for the most part like like it's weird because the the uh early on one of the first things that happens is when you're first introduced to the lichens one of them bites off like your ring finger and pinky on your left hand and then Ethan like loses them bleeds a lot and has to bandage it and they never come back. Um, and then later on, and then, so then, like, there there feels like, it feels like, um, even though it's a video game, that, like, there is, uh, like, narrative, when when Ethan is attacked narratively, that there are repercussions for that. And then I, I guess, like, I didn't remember that they did this a lot in 7, but, like, when Ethan gets his, like, hand completely chopped off by... Lady Dimitrescu, uh, and he just puts, he just, like, screws it back on, it just, we had already, you and I were already talking about, like, how insane, and how much, like, weird hand torture porn there is, and then you knew that this was gonna happen, and you're watching you play, and I just, it it felt like a moment of, like, why would you do this? Um, it's still so campy, even having, like, a justification that, like, he is taken over by mold, and, like, is canonically dead and is a zombie that is like being re-put together um it doesn't it gets in the more insane at the end when he loses his heart it's like re- literally what will kill him is he even dead i guess not i don't know I, who even knows yeah um so
0: to like i, look- I mean i kind of knew at that like you you had to know at some point that like okay ethan's got some superhuman stuff going on yeah
1: mia says like late late on mia says stuff like like ethan gets his heart ripped out and you lo- the camera goes to chris and you're playing as chris for a little while and then mia makes that comment of like you don't know how special he is and stuff and then i was like oh my god pan back to ethan because i know that you're going to do this and even when it kind of happened it was like this is too raw of an ending ethan just gets his heart ripped out and now we're going to finish the game with chris i don't i don't think so um so yeah that like he it it, it it got insane like I, I didn't know exactly what was up and then like there's some clarification with like how Uh, Evelyn, you know, mocks you and tells you. Um, There's also, it's also interesting because it it shows that like uh, everyone was in this kind of hard drive that like, I guess that's that was kind of like the goal of Mother Miranda was to put her dead baby back into a suitable um, baby um, and she uses, she wants to use Ethan's baby because she's like part mold from like two people who have basically died. Mia should be, Mia should have died as well. Like she's gotten like chopped up and axed before but i don't know if that was like post or pre-mold maybe she counts as being alive so i don't know if it's like two mold people made this baby um but apparently like the people who have died and become a part of the mold have like their conscious uploaded onto it like a hard drive they kind of explain and uh so yeah like like rose would actually apparently like kind of remember i guess. Like he, like Ethan remembers Evelyn and has like this dream of Evelyn in this other world because he's like has part of Evelyn in him. It's weird.
0: Yeah. So, what did you think of uh, the way that it ended with um, Rose and the fact that? Do you think that? Do you like the setup for the new game? Um, I kind of like it. I, I I kind of like the it more. DLC? I don't know. I
1: kind of like it more as a DLC, and that's exactly that because I I want them to, uh, the the best of Resident Evil Village. I think that like. I, I'm afraid of the series going action-y again. Like, a, as a series, like, uh, to, to look back on it, um, Resident Evil 4 um, started to get more action-y, and, and the controls were actually um, good at that point. It, they, do, they weren't doing the tank controls, and uh, they moved away from as much of, like, the survival element and the horror element to more a little bit more action. And then 5 and 6 were, like, 6 being the worst with this. Um, but five also being terrible at this was just like an action movie, like Chris punches a boulder and you're just generally fighting like tons of hordes of enemies and you're not really meant to like have a brooding atmosphere or, um, look at it like a locale. You're kind of just like running down hallways, shooting whatever enemies are there. And there's a lot of enemies and a lot of ammo, Um, I I don't want them to return to that. So I'd be afraid of what a Rose would be for the series. And I also think that like, even if they tried to do a slower, more methodically paced Resident Evil um, along the lines of Seven and Village, if they did it with Rose, I think there would be something missing because it would be from the start, like she has these powers. We know she's like canonically, like almost invincible. You don't have that same kind of like, Fear for the pranta- the protagonist. Um, if the, if you're like, yeah, they're like an invincible mold monster. I think it would work well as a DLC. But I I want to return to a a, a human. Uh, I want to oh, go. I want to
0: be. I want to be super powered. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be super powered bros and go through and tell. I think it would be fun for a DLC. And, yeah. I want to like um, levitate zombies and throw them into walls.
1: I want to see. Uh my favorite part I think the highest note of village and one of the, that my favorite part of the entire Resident Evil um in games ever is the Bien Viento, uh Beneviento house.
0: It's um, surprising because I because I thought that that was a very like a challenging part for you.
1: Yeah, I, I, I th- it was it was easily the scariest part of any Resident Evil. It, it was uh I I like how the areas of four had their own kind of gimmicks. Like, the castle is very Resident Evil. Um, I, I I wonder if uh, they're kicking... Like, I, I wonder if Capcom is, like, kicking themselves for how much people liked Lady D and that she's right off the bat. I think that uh, if, in hindsight, it would have made more sense to um, do some of the other... Like, do, like, Moreau first, um, which is just, like, uh, more of this, like... I, I, don't, I don't know if it would, would have worked... Uh, first, or, or do the factory or something first. I, I think Heisenberg is, like, kind of cool, but they don't go anywhere with him. I think Lady D um, c- could have been a better all-around, like, villain almost than Mother Miranda. Like, people just, like, love her, the, love the look of her, and I thought she was a pretty imposing figure. I love the way that she looks when she uh, crouches down to get in a door when you like walk up to a door and then, you, or you see for the other, like down yeah. the hall, her crouching down and walking in the room and spotting you. There's a lot of tension. Um, and other than that, people just like love that character for a lot of reasons, um, a lot of gross reasons. Um, but I think she would have been a better being around more. Um, but the, uh, you know, like there was that, there was that Resident Evil style with uh, castle and factory. Then with uh, the Moreau segment was like this kind of like on rails puzzles with that tension of like don't touch the the grounds the grounds on fire kind of um, the ground is the 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 floor is lava, um, and Benevento House was like just PT like you just lost your weapons. I, I didn't know where they were gonna go with that originally, but I thought it, it was like the most atmosphere of any Resident Evil. It was it was so difficult for me to play. I needed uh, like your help to because what I was doing was I was basically playing for, like, five or six minutes, and then and then whenever I would cross the typewriter, I would be like, okay, that's enough for now. I've done, like, one thing. I uh, just, like, it was so atmospheric. And it's sad because that house loses everything once you've done it once, uh, knowing, yeah, knowing that, sure. like, where the only thing that can kill you is and it not really, like, matching up to the rest of the house. Like, I don't think that the... I don't know if the baby uh, makes logical sense. I think that they were doing better with the, um, PT style, like Mia scares. They were doing like, there's, there's a couple times where like you're, you're after the breaker goes out, you see, uh, Mia just standing there or you're turning a corner and you have a shot of like, just Mia's like, like half of her body is just moving out to go out of your vision. And it's just like, that kind of shit is just so creepy. Um, so I thought they would go a little bit further with like just PT, like pop outs and uh maybe have like a more humanoid scare like once the the baby was involved like it it, it was a little freaky um at first, but uh I don't know like i it it, it is a bummer that like you can experience this one time and and I loved that they did this like uh the the tension plus like trying to figure out a an escape room it was so escape roomy I just yeah. love that.
0: For sure, I mean, if you like the that, if you like the bit of Viento House, there's plenty of games like that that'll, uh, you know, satisfy that itch, like Amnesia and Outlast, and uh, Visage is probably the one that comes the closest. Visage is uh, pretty terrifying. Yeah. So I, I mean, if you like that kind of stuff, that that kind of stuff is out there.
1: Yeah, I think Resident Evil is pretty strong when they're not doing lots of weak enemies. I would like. I I think that one of the criticisms I would have is like tightening that up a little bit like making the enemies a little bit scarier and the ammo a little bit less a little bit scarcer and the enemies less scarce like more more scarce like like you know when you're encountering an enemy it should be a little bit more of a thought of like this thing could do a lot of damage to me do i want to kill it outright do i want to just run past it if i run past it am i gonna have to do things in this room because um, i thought that like some of the weakest stuff was like just the castle and some of those enemies uh I, I, how did you like the lichens? I I absolutely loved the lichens.
0: They were great. Yeah, I mean they moved quickly. They ducked your shots. Um, I, I I love the look was... of
1: them, like like crouching up on roofs. I really found them to be like the, the, my favorite of the persistent Resident Evil enemies.
0: Yeah, I mean anything beats uh, the guys in Seven. I don't even remember what they were called. The molded. The molded. Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, I I was into them. Yeah, I liked them. I mean, there is something to be said for a good old zombie, but they had some of those too.
1: Yeah, they had a few of those, and I thought those were good too. I thought those had a good look. Uh, that was like, like post Beneviento. They were like, kind of they were like traditional,
0: like old-school zombies of like hand bursts out of the ground. Yeah, you don't you don't get that anymore.
1: I know, like on right on the nose with that. Uh, but but it was good, and uh, also with like the kind of tension of post beneviento House, I thought that that worked very well. Yeah, uh, for sure. I just, I, I. There's so many individual parts that I loved. I loved the Varkalak, which was the um, after the Beneviento house. I, th- I think it's right after the Beneviento house uh, when you're gonna go down to Moreau, um, running from house to house away from that first werewolf, the Varkalak.
0: Giant, the giant wolf. Yeah, is yeah. is. I killed like, it. I killed. Did it. you kill it? I did kill it.
1: Yeah. Um, but I killed it after I had gotten the uh grenade launcher. Um, and yeah,
0: there, there is an alpha version of that that i missed out on but if you go back to do you remember the woman's house out in the cornfield yeah if you go back to that cornfield later in the game you find a alpha version of the wolf
1: oh wow that's uh, some
0: unique treasure
1: i i really loved the village itself i loved that uh it was a hub world um because it was the next best thing to just making um one consistent area to explore and to slowly um, unlock new things or or get the key items for. I I I liked that like you would do a little bit and then return to the village and then the the, the uh, time would progress the uh, towards that inevitable like I, I was I was expecting a better I wanted to uh, like they do Chris in the village at night but I was kind
0: of oh, yeah and the whole game happens over one day just like Murakami just like Murakami just like after just dark. like after dark um everything is is so
1: cyclical in this episode uh but uh. Yeah, I was I was kind of hoping that they would do that, like like things are getting worse, and you see the sun is going down, and there's more tension, and there would be one final Ethan in the village segment that where you know you just feel more tense.
0: And what's the deal with the with the shopkeeper? That was
1: cool. I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. I almost like that they didn't go straight out, come straight out with it. Mm. Um, he's definitely some sort of like demon god thing. Like he. Is not human uh ethan asks about it and he says he can't say uh but he is some weird like greek god bestowing favor on ethan and is like i don't know he was he i thought he was pretty interesting overall like a weird cutting the tone uh character
0: yeah i don't know what to think of him I mean they never explain the shopkeeper in four either what obviously there's something magic there's like, something mystical about the guy because like he's just kind of always where you are
1: and he never gets hurt by the you know outbreak the last plagas
0: yeah that's the game
1: that's the game
0: prove me wrong uh Wtdg podcast you know it you love it this is episode number 265 of the show it's on wtdgpodcast.com on your favorite podcast. Service such as spotify or itunes and you know we're on twitter too at sign wtdg podcast uh where you can also see all of our political remarks oh uh and how uh trump won the 2020 election i'm just kidding we actually uh don't really use the twitter but maybe uh, if you
1: and you and well maybe, that wasn't the only thing you're kidding maybe about, if but...
0: you say something to us at twitter and you say like how's it going maybe uh you know maybe i'll say hi back or There's if you say that.
1: Trump really did win the 2020 election, then don't. Just don't think of that. Do
0: that. We can unfollow you.
1: Um, thank you, Ryan Gallowing. R- Ryan Gallowing and Bumper for the use of music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can find them on YouTube or on Spotify. On YouTube, you can find links uh, to all their merch. I have their shirt. I have their record. I'm not wearing their shirt right now.
0: He left. He doesn't live in the state He anymore. doesn't live in the
1: state anymore. It's a bummer. All my friends are leaving me. Soon, I will be alone, and I won't be able to play Oath.
0: Oh yeah, well, you, well, who can afford to live here? I can't. You can't. You can't afford I can't afford to live afford here. To live You're here. gonna have to move. Yeah. Move in with Sean. I'll 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 uh, live near you guys.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, or
0: move in with one of our listeners. If you want Ryan Kirby to be uh, your roommate, then well, tell okay. us at at sign WTDG podcast on Twitter.
1: After a series of terrible choices that we've been saying uh, uh, to the moon, I've been saying that you've been saying keep it sleazy, um, but I finally am in the green on my stock market decisions because I invested so much in AMC and ooh. Oh Did, you, boy. Sell it? Did sold, you sell it? I sold. I sold half of mine. Um, you sold
0: it at the top. I I told Alyssa to sell. She I, sold at the very top. I sold right it pretty. I,
1: I didn't sell it at the top. The tippy top. Um, I missed out on the tippy top. Um, I wanted to go higher. I thought that it was gonna have one of those uh y booms to like the memes hundreds. I don't know if you've
0: noticed this. The meme stocks always drop off on Fridays.
1: They really do. I mean someone also was saying um, that that like they have the exact same kind of trending they do. trends. Um, but but I what I do want to do is I, I sold it started dipping and I sold it for a profit and I expect to go back harder into it. Um, with the amount that i made when it dips to a more realistic level and then hope that it has another boom i think it does i i I believe the due diligence on that company and i I, in texas i saw amcs were packed packed
0: well there you go to the moon do you say something To me no i don't say anything (laughs) okay